Because it said natural causes, and I was like, it can't be that natural, and you're 65. <laughs> Shit. Do you suspect foul play, Ryan? I don't know. I just think, where were you, Carol, when he died, is all I'm saying. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Yeah, it's idiocy, featuring the VIP. special episode the podcast which reviews very special episodes of tv including ones featuring a comedian who has recently passed away i am your host this week the honorable judge austin gorton and with me in the courtroom manhandling everyone is david bitsenoffer <laughs> and engaging in inappropriate <laughs> workplace relationships is carolyn Maine. and finally giving it all up just to pull epic pranks is <laughs> Ryan Alexander Tanner. (laughs) And this week, we are discussing Night Court, Season 5, Episode 2, Her Honor, Part 4, the culmination (laughs) of a four-part cross-season storyline in which Harry Anderson's judge, Harry Stone, fails to get reappointed to his judgeship and decides to devote his time to pulling off the biggest prank ever only to have his stunt interrupted by a failed inventor looking to commit suicide. Hilarity ensues as Harry and the inventor each teach the other a thing or two, while his friends back at the night court scramble to cover for his absence in the apparent wake of his reappointment. Yay. Well, that was the whole episode. Good yeah, job, no. guys. <laughs> cool, bye. So, yeah. That was actually helpful because we came in on part four, and I didn't actually... <laughs> That's kind of why I wanted to sum that one up. I didn't yeah, know this... what it was about when I watched. <laughs> so, here's here's the here's the backstory on this one for our listeners. Um, if you haven't heard, Harry Anderson recently passed away, and that's very sad. R.I.P. R.I.P. A, a, great, a great comedian. So... Uh, we decided it would be a good idea to do a Harry Anderson episode uh, to to celebrate him. And that pretty much, I mean, he's been on lots of things, but Night Court is the show everyone associates Harry Anderson with. Well, and, well, would you argue with me? Uh, my, my most beloved Harry Anderson is when he would Cheers. show up on Cheers. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, yeah, we could get into, we can get into that. But anyway, so I decided to do a Night Court episode. Um, spoiler alert, I don't know Night Court very well, mm. so I was picking this off of a list of episodes that was given to me, and this one sounded like a good Harry Anderson-centric episode. Then I discovered it was a fourth part of a four-part storyline that spanned two seasons. Yeah. Like, the first two parts ended the fourth season, and then the first two parts, the last four started this season. So I'm like, well, that just sounds cuckoo bananas, so we definitely have to record this episode <laughs> now. Plus, he Harry Anderson spends a significant part of the episode in spandex, which is probably why you chose it. It's true. Yeah, spandex and like a rainbow glider. Yeah, which is which is not a euphemism. It's literally a rainbow glider. I definitely saw his shaft. <laughs> Did you see his Harry Anderson? <laughs> I saw his Harry and Urson. <laughs> um. So Ryan, you yeah. mentioned it. What? Let's start with you. Your relationship with. Uh, Harry Anderson in general and Night Court specifically. Okay. Well, and first I want to say too that this is seemed to me to be one of those like season finales where the status quo gets drastically shifted and then by the second episode it basically goes exactly back to everything. Oh yeah, was. everything gets tied up in a neat little bow yeah. at the end here. And then I decided to live a life I lived exactly the same before the end of last season. <laughs> And I guess I guess we could get into this, but we could give it props for dragging that out over four episodes instead of just like one or two. Really milking it. 
So Harry Anderson. Uh, well, like I said, uh, him on Cheers was my main thing. I really, Night Court is not a strong feelings show for me. It was like many shows. I would watch it because it was on and it was in syndication a lot. I remember the opening theme more than anything else about it. It's a jazzy theme, man. Yeah, when that sax comes in, it's like, it's like, they're not fucking around. That funky bass. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. And and then I'm kind of moving. I'm just kind of moving and grooving over here a little bit now, just thinking about it. <laughs> but uh, I probably haven't watched Night Court in 20 years. I've watched a fair amount of it as a kid. All I really remember is that it's very sexually laced in its... Uh, Ooh. Which was true in this. It's like, ah, I'll talk about condoms for a minute. Like, a lot of the throwaway gags are like, are you, you didn't almost touch his penis? Or, or Harry Anderson's like, I'm just going to go sexually harass this uh, female attorney that's in my chambers now. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they seem like they're building up a relationship. I, I, but I know, Dan but Fielding is a, is a yeah. real piece of garbage. That's like, the horniest guy on television ever. <laughs> probably, actually. You might be right about that. Think of, and, think of someone hornier. Let me know. Oh, I will. Okay. You'll, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it's like we were looking at a list of episodes to do, and it was like on the list was the one where, what's her name, the attorney? Christine. The one where Christine gets sexually harassed, and I was like, "Isn't that every episode?" <laughs> <laughs> Which we shouldn't laugh about. But anyway, I haven't seen Night Court in a long time. Uh, David, how about you? Loved me some Night Court. Yeah, boy. Uh, so I mean, I haven't watched an episode in a long time just because of I don't know how time works and <laughs> TV shows not being on television anymore. What but that, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how long it's been since I've seen it because time is like relative, you know. No, I, time is a construct a long of the mind because that's how time works. Is that you don't watch something a lot? I don't know. Don't don't make me repeat myself. I... <laughs> wow. Okay. We uh, no like it, growing up, like when my family would have dinner, we'd have the TV on, and this was always like in the six thirty p.m. time slot for whatever channel we were on in the syndication so so we'd always watch this and my dad would love it and then we'd always sing along to the opener and make make up our lyrics to it and then uh then we'd watch it and enjoy oh that's some good quality family memories there david yeah Yeah. oh i was gonna say we just sing the words that came on the screen so all the actors names. (laughs) so i pretty much have every actor's name memorized from this show marshall warfield well, it'd be no. First, it's Nycor with Harry Anderson, Marky Post, John Larkett. Sorry, um, no, David. I want you to when we're done with this, um, cue up the Nycor opening, sing your song, and then send it to me, and I'll put that in at the end, at the at the end of the episode. We're making another album, and that's track yeah, one, exactly. motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, Did you have any other Harry Anderson connections? Not really. I mean, I guess when I started watching it, I didn't know about... I didn't know who he was at all, I guess. Like, I didn't yeah. see him on Cheers or anything. So, Hold like, your he... tongue! <laughs> <laughs> so he was, like, my introduction to who Harry Anderson was. So, like, anytime I saw him in anything else... And the only other thing I really remember him being in was the It TV movie. I was wondering if that would get a shout-out. <laughs> And, and to me, it was like, oh, like, you know, <laughs> Judge Harry T. Stone in, uh, in the <laughs> It movie. Attacked by a clown. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even do any magic or grifting in It. Uh, he did a little magic at the beginning, right? When he did his, like, okay. talk show. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as for me, obviously, as I mentioned before, I don't really know. I'm kind of like, right. I don't really know Night Court that well. This Maybe the first episode of Night Court I've watched start to finish, at least that I can remember. Really? It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird oh. thing where, like, I remember Bull for some reason. It's very memorable. And yeah. I feel like when I've seen, like, when I was younger and I would see John Larroquette in other things, I'd be like, oh, that's the guy from Night Court. But I don't remember ever watching Night Court, yet somehow I knew that as a kid. And yeah, I don't, I just, I guess my parents maybe didn't watch it and so i never picked up on it and then 
Um, I don't remember ever seeing it like in syndication. But then again, if I wasn't familiar with it, I wouldn't have. It wouldn't have struck out to me anyway. So yeah, not a not a night court aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. Do you remember Bull as the uh, Yeti in Caveman with Ringo Starr? Oh. <laughs> I do not. But now I kind of want to go watch that movie. Well, Who was that? Uh, it was Bull from Night Court. Oh, Bull. You know what? I, yeah. I do have a memory of watching Batman the Animated Series and being like, Harvey Dent's voice sounds oh, really familiar. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then finally I figured it out. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Richard Bull, isn't he? And he's dead, isn't he? <laughs> Har- Harvey Dent or Richard Mull? No, Harvey Dent will never die. But I believe Richard <laughs> Mull is dead. I'm, half messed up. I'm getting, I'm getting the crack research team on this. One second. Okay. All right. Um, so my point of my main, my initial point of reference for Harry Anderson was the Dave's World sitcom right. that he did after Night Court. That I do remember my parents watching, and I remember watching that, like having it on in the background at dinner. And that, of course, opens with a Billy Joel song from my so favorite kind of, album. Um, kind of ingrained. I mean, though I'm not a huge fan of that particular song. That song's um, awesome, Austin. Eh. I know. It gets overplayed. Maybe because I heard it at the beginning of Dave's World all the time. That doesn't get <laughs> overplayed. It's New York State of Mind that gets overplayed. Yeah, I'm not a huge New York State of Mind fan either. But there you go. This isn't... Some, someday, Carol and I just need to do an episode where we talk about Billy Joel for yeah. like 90 minutes. I'll be I'll be busy <laughs> when we do that recording. <laughs> Whenever it is, I'm busy. We can just go through and rank all the Billy Joel songs. But uh, So yeah, Dave's World was... And I couldn't tell you much of anything about Dave's World now, but I remember that I watched it once upon a time. And yeah, it, I, of course, the TV movie It with Harry Anderson, I knew him from that. And, um, I was not a big Cheers watcher, so I, I only recently saw his his first appearance on Cheers, and that was like a couple of years ago when I made a concerted effort to go back and start watching Cheers. Cheers is good. <laughs> it is good. What I've seen of it, I have very much liked. Is Richard Mall dead or alive? Yeah, so hold on. I got this uh, this kid here. Hey, hey, get out of here. Um, <laughs> the, this, this scrap of paper, this dirty scrap of paper, <laughs> on it written in blood, it says, Richard Mall still alive. Oh, Yay. Just not the kid whose blood that is. Well, I don't, I'm not, that's, I don't have that in writing. <laughs> but uh and also so Car- he was in a movie called BFFs in 2014. <laughs> huh. Interesting. So Carolyn, I saved the best for last. What's your relationship with Harry Anderson and Night Court? So I was the person who asked to do this episode. Thank you so much Austin for making it a Night Court time. Um yeah, I used to watch Cheers. He was so exciting on Cheers. Even if I was doing something else, somebody would call me into the room because basically that's Harry Anderson just doing his street grifting Monty on Sam Malone or anybody else within his wake. You know, he does card tricks. He counts short change back. And then I, when he passed, I looked up his Letterman appearances and watching Harry Anderson on Letterman is so joyous. He's like a predator. He gives really? letter. Uh-huh. Watch him. He gives Letterman like $30 cash and then gets it all back by him, bill by bill, just grifting the shit out of him. And Letterman's like, I feel like a stoop. How'd you do that? And he has a couple (laughs) of magic tricks where he moves a rope knot throughout a rope, really very magically, has a sticky table, but also he just monties the shit out of Letterman. And he talks about how his mother got divorced and became a prostitute. And that's how he hmm. became a street kid, like doing grifts and being a bag man, you know, holding the wallets and holdups. And I think he's telling the truth. <laughs> and just the way <laughs> just the way he eyes him down and gets every stick of money back. He talks about going to prison and breaking, getting his jaw punched, getting his jaw broken. So he's a kid from the street. And I think he's from Ashland, Oregon, too, which is exciting. So real local boy made good. Uh, I loved Night Court as a kid. It was one of the first syndicated shows that I actually uh, watched and tried to keep up with the plot with. They'd play it pretty much in order. Uh, as a kid, I did watch Stephen King's It, which I dragged a couple of you back into. Oh, you didn't have to drag me. <laughs> really? I felt like I was breaking everyone's neck through the sewer grate to get there. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember floating. <laughs> we all float. We in. all float down here. <laughs> Tim Curry, Harry Anderson, star-studded. Uh, and Jonathan Brandis. Jonathan Brandis, baby boy. 
Uh, <laughs> Brandis and Harry Anderson are reuniting right now. Are they the same character in it? No. 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 Some guy with a ponytail who teaches <laughs> kung fu is grown up Brandis. He was on. He was on the Waltons before he was. <laughs> oh boy. He was so, there. but yeah, right now Jonathan Brandis and Harry Anderson are sharing a big old turkey in the sky together. Ooh, a turkey leg. Um, sky turkey. How, how did he die? Harry Anderson. He had, yeah, I think he had a couple strokes and then a heart attack. You know, just mm. decline. He was okay for a while though. Yeah, he was yeah. only like sixty-five though, right? Yeah, he wasn't that old. Yeah, sixty-five. Because it said natural causes, and I was like, it can't be that natural. And you're super <laughs> Do you suspect foul play, Ryan? I don't know. I just think, where were you, Carol, when he died is on thing. <laughs> he engaged in the dark arts, Ryan. You know, you gotta love him, but he went a little fast, maybe, from the devil. And I'm, I'm not the devil. Are you saying that he conjured up a demon yeah. and that's how he died? Maybe yeah. maybe someone like Ed Alonzo killed him to take his power and add it to his own. Oh, oh shit, there can be only one musician slash... Right. Musician. I mean, yeah, magician. magician. <laughs> you know. Yeah. A comedian yeah. magician, there can only be one. Yeah, so that I would watch, the Highlander of... <laughs> would would like Penn and Teller count as one, or are they separate? Are they going to have to battle at some point? They're going to die probably separately. Oh, that's man. what happened to Siegfried, or was it Roy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the tiger. <laughs> uh, so yeah, here we are back at Night Court. So are we clear on and on what's happening as this begins? I feel like you explained it, but Yeah, so the idea is that uh in in part 1, uh Marky Post's character, Christine, is that what you said? Christine, Carol? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Marky Post's Christine who was a lawyer gets appointed to be a judge. But I think and she's everyone's... also like in her day job a football player with those shoulder pads she's uh, wearing. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, how do you explain her hair? Oh, I love well, her. She's like, hockey, too, her, like that mullet. Yeah. yeah, she's got not one but two haircuts. One yeah. is a head poof, and the rest is just down the shoulders. It's well, the amazing. front, like, up front, that's her lawyer haircut, but then in the back, it's all party. <laughs> um, so she gets appointed a judge, and then everyone's, like, celebrating, but then at the same time, they find out that Harry is not reappointed, so he loses his judgeship. Right. There's pretty much a list of judges who came out, and Dan Fielding was totally expecting to be put on it, but he's not. And also, Harry is taken off, but Christine is put on. Carol, I don't want to interrupt you, but are those your dogs snoring? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to, first of all, I have no idea how accurate this like list of judges and getting reconfirmed every year is. Like, totally if, accurate. If 100. that's a thing. Exactly. I, I and I was just thinking about this. I don't even know if a night court is a thing. Like, do they <laughs> actually have is. night courts? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. They went I to wonder watch about that the too. night court for accuracy when they, <laughs> when they were preparing. Something something tells me this isn't like a searingly accurate portrayal of the legal system. I know, documentary but documentary Austin. But it, but it does seem, like, when I was a kid, I didn't think about it, but now it seems weird that, like, anything involving the government would be open past, like, 4 p.m., you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> it was a more hopeful time. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, downtown St. Paul shuts down at 4 p.m. because it's, like, all government and, like, city mm-hmm. employees and stuff. Um, so in the second part, Marky Post basically tries to convince Harry to, like, fight to get his job back. But instead, he decides that he's going to, like, pull the most epic prank of all time. And I guess that carries over into part three, because that's kind of where we pick up in part four. And somewhere along the way, we find out that the mayor was convinced to reappoint Harry. So at the end of the previous But we don't episode, know how he got convinced, right? Well, I mean, I, 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 presumably if we watched the episode, we what, would. Yeah. yeah, what the gruel orphans told me was not making it clear, but I'm <laughs> sure if I watched the episode, it would be more clear. Uh, Christine just went in and talked to the mayor for a second. It was off camera. I did watch all four. No. Okay. <laughs> and so then, like, the the mayor stooge guy shows up at the courthouse to swear Harry in, but they haven't found Harry to tell him that he got his job back yet. 
because he's off building his like super suit for his prank. Don't you just love getting fired and then moving on to the prank of the century? So here's a question for David and Carol. Is this whole like Hey, fuck you guys (laughs) (laughs) Question for Ryan, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Oh, is that not a quest? The question is, how much do you hate Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, one being you hate him a lot and ten being you hate him super a lot. Is this whole like Harry loves to prank things like an ongoing character bit of his? Um, I don't know if we he ever talks about wanting to do the ultimate prank, like trying to be legendary. But But he's definitely a prankster in this. He will do. The old uh, peanut brittle trick and stuff on people. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the first place I saw the trick about, yeah, flying snakes coming out of peanuts. Maybe yeah. He made it up. That's, okay. that's part of Harry Anderson's magician shtick is he does some prop work, but he'll also do straight up grifting, too. So that's how they incorporate his bad boy roots into this when he goes straight. Yeah, yeah I mean, in this, yeah. he's pretty straight laced in this uh-huh. yeah. show, though. He doesn't yeah. do any, like, grifting or, like,. Yeah, taking yeah. people. He's supposed to be the honest, good judge who's just yeah. doing, trying to do his best. And it is worth pointing out that once again we have a comedian named Harry Anderson yeah. who's playing a character named mm-hmm. Harry. Man, um, I wouldn't have thought this happened all the time, but it happens all the time. <laughs> I'm at a point now where I would be more surprised to find the shows where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Where, like the the main actor actually changes his name. So as as this episode opens, um, Harry is is missing from his swearing in ceremony, but the Night Court gang is trying to convince John Larroquette to pose as him to buy them time. Yeah, they get... he doesn't he doesn't like that because the judge that's going to do the swearing in knows him, so he's not going to be able to well, pull him off. And... Originally, he was told like there's the one guy who's coming who thinks he already thinks he's Judge Stone, and then yeah. the judge who's going to swear him in does, has never met Harry. And then it's there's the old so they're like oh it'll work out fine, but then the guy says no, the one judge is sick, so this other one has to come in, and that one does know Harry. And at that point, Dan is scared he's going to go to jail, and then makes a nice uh, prison rape joke. Yeah, and always, always a good time. Yeah, yeah. And I have a feeling that if I went back and actually watched the series, there'd be a lot more of those jokes that would <laughs> you know, not make they, me feel great. Saying, you know what they say, nothing really hits the spot like a good prison rape joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of the various uh, uh, mis- misplaced identities, and, and it's all very Christopher Nolan-esque at this point. <laughs> what? In terms of no, like, it absolutely this is. person thinks it's that person, but he's actually this person. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought they were um, going to carry this out a lot longer than they did, actually. But they yeah, it kind of falls apart in the other three quickly. episodes. Yeah. yeah, a lot of mistaken identities. There was a bit where, oh, because Mac can forge signatures, so they were going to sign for Harry T. Stone, but Dan was being his body, so they had to have Mac wear gloves and be his hands. <laughs> I kind of remember that. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Ma- Mac is like this really, like I don't know how to explain it. He's like a very Zen human or something. Yeah, like, he's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. What What is his role in the court? I don't know. He, no, uh, he's not a he's like the clerk, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Okay. Like I he, saw in the opening credits, he looked like he was writing, so I thought maybe he was the stenographer, but yeah. a clerk would work. Yeah, too, I don't yeah. think he's the actual stenographer who writes down every. I think he, like, gathers the files and then gives them to Harry when the next case comes in, and okay. he usually gives the rundown of whatever's going on, because they always have, like, little asides of a case just for some quick laughs, and so he'll have to set it up as to why these people are even in court, you know? Mm-hmm. So we cut from the night court to outside where Harry is is climbing down onto a bridge, but it's way high up, I guess. So this is like a, a set that I think is just for this episode. I can't mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah. I've never even seen it. I'm sure yeah. you can find it on other shows. <laughs> and, and he is uh, That would be cool. He is he is clad in a skin tight silver bodysuit yeah. with a with a winged sort of Mercurian helmet mm-hmm. and some sort of rainbow colored 
hang glider slash kite backpack. You can call it what it is. He's got a gay pride flag strapped to his back. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. He's like a- Condor More power man. to him. He's like Condor Man for gay pride. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's going to he's gonna kick off like the prank of the century. But wouldn't you know, there's some dude hanging from a cable on the bridge who interrupts him as he's about to take off. Yeah, it's like the most unmotivated suicide jumper of all time. <laughs> yeah, so that's our that's our cold open, and that takes us into our our jazzy credits. And bum, David bum, sings bum. everybody's name, mm-hmm. and then uh, we come back in, and the guy hanging on to the bridge introduces himself as Gus and says that he's committing suicide because he can't live with his failure as an inventor. Well, I feel like he could just go on the road as the man with the greatest arm strength ever. <laughs> yeah. For- for how long yeah. he's just hanging there? Well, yeah, as as Ryan alluded to, he's pretty shitty at committing suicide <laughs> as well as inventing things. Because I'm like, why why are you hanging from a rope and why are you wearing gloves while you're doing it? Yeah, he's got like a really upbeat attitude for a person who's about to take his life. Like the gloves suggest that like, oh, they'll give me added grip so I can hang on longer. But he doesn't want to hang on. He's supposed to be killing himself. Like. I don't know. And, he, and I don't think I could hang on that long. I wouldn't want to commit suicide and I'd end up falling at some point. Right, right. Um some of his uh some of his failed inventions include mm. the pocket aquarium, toe floss, yeah. and the home root canal kit. Waka yeah, they suck. <laughs> sorry. I was yeah, I'm waka sorry. Waka. I was thinking about how you're talking about <laughs> Singing the the cast members' names in the opening theme. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite time of doing that is Jurassic Park. Yeah, man. Where it's like, oh, yeah. it's Jurassic Park, it's Jurassic Park, with Sam Neill and Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that shit is really funny to me. That's, yeah, no, it's, it's a good one. Uh, so Harry tells Gus that he is going to glide his way over to the Statue of Liberty and then pull a prank that will live in infamy and make him, like, the most famous person in the world. So I don't want to spoiler this, but there's a couple of things that really bug me about it. <laughs> should, we, okay. should we wait? A couple? A couple of things? Yeah. Uh, well, there's only one what? real thing wrong with this whole prank <laughs> that he's about. Well, I mean... His gliding apparatus does not seem feasible and seems very fraught with danger, but... Yeah, are we sure Harry's not just gonna commit suicide too and call it <laughs> an epic prank? Because that is his final prank if he does it. Mm-hmm. I don't what? know. Maybe we'll find What's... out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay, we'll save it, Ryan. Okay. We'll get to it at yeah. the end. So then uh, we go back to the night court where John Larroquette is continuing to dodge being sworn in and all of the various judges and city officials who don't know who he is or know who he is. And he pretends that uh, Harry has gone to poop or to throw up in the law library. And then they stall with the other guy and it's all very sitcom-y and, and hijinks ensue. That's the thing that they do a lot on sitcoms where they're like, uh, okay, so there's the judge and then there's the witness, right? Those are the two mm-hmm. people that they can't have in the same room at the same time, right? Yeah. Right. So then, like, the witness is coming, so then Dan's like, uh, judge, uh, go in there. Uh, Harry's in there. He's thrown up. Go in there. <laughs> and then it's like he's gone for, like, ten minutes. Like, what was he doing all that time? <laughs> I always wonder that. It's like, if anyone just sort of, like, shove me out of a room abruptly, I think I'd be like, what the fuck's going on in there? Like, I don't think I would just go stand in the room for over ten minutes. I go itch or take a piss or buy a Snickers bar for $900. I mean, I would go piss in the corner of the room. <laughs> yeah, but first that's thing, pretty market. quick. Yeah. John Marquette isn't that, or like Dan Fielding, I should say, isn't <laughs> that bad in this episode? He's what? Like, yeah. Isn't terrible in this episode like he normally is. Um, I'm speaking of is he haircuts, David? Is he more? Is he yeah. usually more of like a ca- of a cat? Is that kind he's, of the general idea? Yes, he he sexually harasses like everybody. And, a, okay. Big time horned up guy, Austin. I distinctly okay. remember one sight gag. I I really feel like Nightcart excels with physical comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I think Dan Feldman taught me what it would be like to be horny. So he's one of my first role models. 
<laughs> and there's definitely, like, they'd always have them around, like, you know, night prostitute ladies. And there's one where somebody did something where his hands had pink paint on them, and he rode an elevator with a prostitute lady. And then when they both oh, yeah. got off the elevator, oh, they yeah. were disheveled, and she had, like, pink handprints all over her body. It's great. I think that... Great look. I think when I would get to watch Night Court, I would often ask my mom what things meant. Oh, she that's didn't why really you want didn't us... get to watch Night Court anymore. Yeah, she was not thrilled about it. <laughs> I think I could watch it alone a lot. There were no rules, right? <laughs> Summer vacation <laughs> syndications where I got a lot of lessons and horniness. Yeah, yeah I, I think I got yeah. some wrong lessons from John Larquette from this oh, show. No. Hopefully it all worked out in the end. But Did you end up in the Night Court? Yeah. <laughs> I did not. I don't even know if a night court exists. We need it somebody. Does. It does. Harry Anderson said so on the Letterman interview, at least. They watched yeah. real New York night court to get in the zone. Hmm. Maybe Interesting. It, it doesn't don't, exist anymore. But... Don't doubt the night court. Don't doubt it until you're there. <laughs> then it'll be realer than anything. I remember there was a night court episode where Harry Stone had to judge the coyote and roadrunner so yes. that was pretty realistic yes. <laughs> i'm i'm sure that's the kind of thing that the city of new york would love to have their judges spending time on <laughs> were they animated yeah yeah so it was kind coyote. of like a roger rabbit kind of thing okay. the joke was like uh judge harry stone like you just see him and he's making this grandiose speech but you don't know who he's talking to and then of course the joke is then suddenly pans over and then it's Wiley Coyote and the Road Runner, and then everyone yeah, laughs. And... He's like busting him for stalking and harassment. Yeah, he's like, you know, you need to leave them alone. It's great. So we go back to the bridge, and Harry is telling Gus his story about getting kicked off the bench. And Gus chides him for not trying harder to get his job back, which Harry then points out the irony of someone committing suicide lecturing him about not giving up. Well, see, this is where I get confused because the lesson is not to give up, but then he wants the guy to give up on suicide. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so is it quitter like then? <laughs> David, only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> um, did anybody recognize Gus? No. Sui- would be suicide. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff, but nothing that. Well, yeah, he's his name is uh, Kenneth Tigar. Tigar, um, he's one of those like one of those guys that shows up in a lot of stuff. But I always think that he's Sam Anderson, but he's not Sam Anderson. Who's Sam Anderson? Um, yeah, Sam Anderson was Bernard on Lost. He was on ER for a long time. Forrest Gump's teacher that his mom stuffed at the beginning. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> 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 All the pieces come together. He fucked Forrest Gump's mom. No, <laughs> um, yeah, he was on Picket Fences. He was in the Stand TV miniseries. Uh, he was. He played the guy who fucked Tom Hanks's mom. <laughs> Whitney Horgan. He was one of the bad gangsters oh, in Vegas, and he was on Perfect Strangers for thirty-seven episodes. Oh. Uh, Mr. Gorpley. I think that was their oh, boss. Yeah. At the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming back. Yep. Yep. And uh, he was the principal on Growing Pains. Oh. oh. So, all of which is to say that Gus the Suicider is not Sam Anderson. He just looks like him. <laughs> That's someone makes... else. But the yeah. important thing there is that he fucked Forrest Gump's mom. That yes. I feel like you helped me out here, Austin. Because uh-huh. I saw the guy, Gus, on Nightcore. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, he reminds me of somebody. So I looked up the actor. Then I'm like, well, I haven't really seen him in any of these things. So that means he just looks like somebody else that I'm thinking of. And now I'm really lost as to figuring out who it is. But I think well, it was Sam Anderson. So I think you sure, just. Yeah, I'm sure it was Sam Anderson. All right. um, so Gus, the, uh, the would be suicider. Uh, has been in a lot of different stuff. He was in Lethal Weapon three. Uh, he was in. Uh, he was on an episode of The West Wing. Uh, you may remember him, Ryan, as 
the German guy who stood up to Loki in the Avengers and was like, we don't kneel around here. The last time we did that, bad things happened. That was this guy? That was this guy. <laughs> that was Gus hanging from the bridge. I'll be a monkey's uncle. <laughs> uh, Annie. So we go back to the night court, and for some reason, John Larroquette's out on the window ledge. Yeah. You got I, a I pigeons on him. Yeah. Pigeons on him. You guys, can we just talk about haircuts and how good <laughs> of a plume John Larroquette has, too? Is he, is he a good-looking man, Karen? Yeah, not entirely. You know, he's not like... <laughs> He doesn't make you horned up in an instant, but he has he's certainly charming and his fucking plume is gorgeous. I just kept he looking at his hair. He does have good hair. He's got great yeah. hair, you guys. It is pretty good. It is pretty good hair. Can, I ask, can yeah. I ask you who qualifies in your, <laughs> your horned up in an instant uh, category? Sure. Yeah, I would say, you know, okay, from my era, platonic ideal, even when I was a young person, I, you know, looked at him and I'm like instantly, oh, that's what being attracted to a man is like, like Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Bruce Who? Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You guys would all smooch him right on the mouth. I would experiment yeah, I mean, with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He seems like a good guy. Sure. Yeah, Briscoe County Junior, platonic male ideal. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, then. Sure, Did anyone sure. ever watch the John Larquette show? No. <laughs> no. It was pretty good. And I think. Yeah. And I think literally no one like outside even outside of us i think it was just you david <laughs> it might have been just me was it was it? a good show though was it a talk show or was it like a becker was it no like a it was sitcom? like a yeah it was a sitcom it was a little more serious than nightcore because i think he's like a recovering alcoholic or something uh, so it was like becker yeah did he play a character named john <laughs> I've, i i i can only assume that's a yes but now i gotta look it up because i don't remember I, I heard that the people who worked on that show didn't even watch it like <laughs> whoever was holding the boom mic would just look away while they filmed it i remember it being a good show so you guys can all i, I honestly have no i like i believe it was a fairly well-regarded show i David, don't was his hair still good I think I feel like it was shorter though. I don't think it had as much plume. I think it was I, I getting a little older though, you know. Sure. Yeah, I will say, Carolyn. Um, I remember when he showed up on a couple episodes of The West Wing in like oh. the early two thousands. He still had a pretty remarkable plume of hair at that. Point. Austin, you'll be shocked to find out <laughs> uh-huh. that on the John Larquette show, John Larquette played John Hemingway. Ah. Uh... <laughs> damn. I think it went on for like three seasons. Yeah, I feel like it was one. That was one of those like low-rated but critically acclaimed kind of shows back in four the day. seasons, actually. Or maybe I'm thinking of the Larry Sanders show. I don't know. Larry Sanders show is my favorite show ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like that's another one of those shows that like isn't a huge hit, but people who watch it like love it. Larry Sanders. Yeah. Well, it's really influential. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But it was also an HBO sitcom, like before right. that was a thing. So it was kind of yeah. under the radar just for that, even. Uh, so John Larroquette gets pulled back in from the ledge by Bull. By the belt. By the belt, yeah. He yanks him yeah, inside. I feel and then like he... The belt would have broke, though, right? Yeah, like the loops. Like the yeah. belt is only as strong as the loops of your pants. But but this is kind of the gag that Bull is supposed to be super strong, right? He's like inhumanly strong. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he doesn't look it quite. I mean, he's tall. Yeah, it's funny because when he first showed up, because like, as I mentioned before, like, I didn't watch the show, but I seemed to like know who Bull was. And in my like mental image of him, he was like bigger. Yeah, like, he was just, like, gigantic. Uh, yeah. Like he's a tall guy in this, but I picked like in my mind, he was like broader shouldered mm-hmm. and like just like bulky and hefty. He's like, he's just really tall. <laughs> And kind of imposing in that regard, but he doesn't seem like freakishly strong. Yeah, that's that is the gag. And uh, John Larroquette proceeds to fake appendicitis to try to stall things out longer, and then ends up grabbing a gavel, <laughs> and then the head of the gavel flies off and knocks the witness from the mayor's office in the head and knocks him out. Ah, uh, take that! Take that! 
And that's one of your favorite tropes, right, David? <laughs> yeah, knocking someone out. How easy it is to just knock someone unconscious. Well, I thought he might be dead, and that would have been funny. But... <laughs> that would have, things would have taken a very dark turn I at know. that point. Well, let's just say this isn't the only time I think somebody died in this episode and did not. So, <laughs> uh, so then we get a brief scene coming back from commercial where it turns out that the the witness who got hit in the head with the gavel is is not dead and will be fine. I should and... note that. If you're unconscious for anything more than like a minute, you're probably going to suffer brain damage and it is a severe emergency. It's not just the ease with which people are knocked unconscious. It's the fact that it is so consequence free. Yes. Like people, (laughs) they always wake up like they just had a refreshing nap. They're like, I needed that hit to the noggin to help me sleep. If it makes a kaboink noise, then you're medically fine. Yeah. Yeah. and the the best is when like good guys do it to other good guys mm-hmm. to keep them from interfering, and you're yeah. like, you just brain damaged your friend. <laughs> you just cost him. Have you ever heard of CTE? <laughs> I think the best is when people get exactly the right amount of amnesia from it. Oh yeah, I thought <laughs> like, that was going to oh. happen here too. Actually, I thought he was going to forget who Harry Anderson or. Yeah. Harry I forgot Stone. about that bad storyline from last season, <laughs> or something that would have consequences. <laughs> and then another knock on the head brings it all yeah, back that's true so we go back to the bridge and uh between scenes gus has gotten off of the the bridge cable that he was hanging on to uh and he has he's helping calculate how high up they are from the sound of harry spitting off the bridge so I guess Harry spits, and then when it lands, he's somehow able to figure out like how fast it fell. And, yeah. Uh, Whatever. Uh, long story short, Harry has come to the conclusion that if he had fought as hard for his job as he did work on this prank, he'd be on the Supreme Court by now. So he decides that he's going to head back to the night court and fight for his job. Well, how much work has he put into this prank, though? Well, we're going to get to that, David, because yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a key element that I don't think he bought at a store. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but are we supposed to assume, like... David, you're supposed to shut the fuck up and watch the show. <laughs> Did he, do you like, think how he went to the hang glider the tw- store and bought that hang glider? Been... No, like... No, he bought it in San Francisco during a parade. <laughs> He just found it on like the side of the road. Uh, he found it at a rest stop. So the no, the time between when he got he did not get his got not a judge anymore. I can't think of the right term. And, right. And now is how many days? Like two? Who knows? I who, 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 three. We're suggesting I watched. Yeah. <laughs> However much like time passed. Two days. Yeah. And so, like, how hard has he actually worked on this prank? And. Yeah, yeah. And would that translate to him getting his job back, or I don't know what did? And we don't even know what Christine did and said to get his job back. So, yeah, who knows yeah. what he could have done? Yeah, I'm so not really he's... clear on what his motivation is or how long he's been wanting to do this. I my my understanding of it was that he was just doing the thing he always wanted to do. Now that yeah. he's unemployed, but I don't know. So while he's declaring he's going to go get his job back, Gus steals his hang glider and takes off for the Statue of Liberty. And this is probably maybe, David, where you thought someone was going to die. <laughs> well, that glider didn't look like it was the most uh, sound yeah. aerodynamic gliding apparatus here. Right. I, I didn't know if right. the physics was going to work there. And then he kind of took a nosedive as soon as he jumped off. And I'm like... It, it, is this going to be like, and I thought the joke might be like Harry Anderson being like, woo, I'm glad that wasn't me. Right. I right. thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. Or like after he's convinced him not to commit suicide, he jumps off with the hang glider and then dies anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, of the two things that really bothered me about this, uh, one is that then the guy takes the glider and just glides perfectly. Such <laughs> a liberty. So what were the stakes? Like, yeah, it was like, yeah, you just should have jumped, Harry. It, well, you, nothing bad would have happened. <laughs> like, well, it totally has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. It's just like, yes, yeah. you could have flown your glider to the Statue of Liberty at any time. Well, it's not that perfect because we watch Harry watch the nose dive. Like, there, you wonder if they're going to fake out death. But yeah, it turns out that that pride flag was enough to fly all the way to the Statue of Liberty. 
<laughs> the, the power of pride carried him. It was it was all the repressed gay energy in New York at that time. Like, it, 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 it carried him into Liberty's arms. Yeah, to a statue of a giant woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Upon hearing this, the physics starts working out in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm right. um, also. Oh, we we hear another uh, of Gus's invention that's presented as equally as bad as the previous right. ones. Yeah, which is a glow in the dark condom, oh, which yeah. I think exists. Which oh, is yeah. yeah, no. What's funny about it is it's like they they put it on the same level as like the pocket aquarium or toe flaws. I'm yeah. like, but that's a thing. Like someone did create and market successfully glow in the dark condoms. Like you go to a store and buy those. And well, he offers exists. Harry one, and Harry's like, I already got one. So yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the problem with the invention is there. It's too ubiquitous now. Like yeah, that could be. It was like so back, obviously uh, we've all got glowing in our condoms. Probably he was sued by George Lucas because everyone was making lightsaber noises. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the noises. <laughs> so back at the night court. Uh, judge who's supposed to be swearing in Harry finally figures out everyone's true identity. It's all very Shakespearean. <laughs> and uh, just then, Harry, still in his ridiculous silver body clinging suit, barges in and declares that he's going to fight to get back the job well, that he already got back. He, they say something to the effect of, like, well, then where is Harry Stone? And they, like, barges through the door. I'm right here. And I'm like, he, like, was he waiting to be in. announced? Was he waiting for that? Or was it a coincidence? Like, did he hear it as he was walking through? I think I've... that's what he says whenever he enters a room. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, Harry, we know that you're right there. Thank you. I just felt like it synced up really well, you know? It was just, like, <laughs> serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the other judge swears him in, and I chuckled at the, he's like, are you going to shoot anyone? <laughs> no. Then you're a judge yeah, again. Yeah, congrats, I'm a judge. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. He, yeah, he, and it, he and was, it was not up nice... for the shenanigans that were afoot, and he just right. And it was a, it was a nice uh, uh, sort of like for all of the like antics yeah. that John Larroquette went through, and like everyone was going through to like stall this out as long. The actual swearing in was like two sentences, yeah. very nonchalant. <laughs> well, and... did he um, shoot someone? Was that why he lost his judge no. license? Throw that in there. Like, I guess that's the real judge test. Yeah. Just, are you going to shoot anyone? No. All right. What? I think yeah. it's just supposed to be a joke. It's it's New York in the late '80s. Mm. Things were kind of rough, so the standards were pretty low as far as what it took to be a judge. That's the only reason why Dick Cheney couldn't be a judge. Because <laughs> he was shooting people. Yeah, so then that that other mayor witness guy that got clonked in the head. Uh, wakes up from his concussion and he's like, "What happened?" And then Marshall Warfield says that they got engaged. And that was pretty funny. I kind of liked. I, I didn't say much about it in the summary because it's all just sort of joke related. But throughout this whole episode, Marshall Warfield seems to exist just to like make almost non sequitur jokes about yeah. Yeah. things that are happening, and it's it's funny, but it's not really <laughs> plot relevant. Um, so I guess to make he, the jokes. They're, so yeah, the previous scene where they're like, oh, the guy that you hit in the head with the gavel, he's going to be fine. I was under the impression that they got that word from a doctor <laughs> after he was yeah. like, taken to a hospital, but then he wakes up back in Harry's yeah. chamber. Like, so did they not take him to the hospital? Who declared that he was going to be okay then? They're just like, hey, he's fine. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we get a little bit... Uh, uh, time passage and we see that Harry is back to pulling his old pranks and then he sees the newspaper and the newspaper is heralding Gus and hang gliding onto the statue as the stunt of the century which totally seems like the kind of thing that the New York Times yeah. is reporting on you know front page news kind of a thing and then Harry gets all mad because now Gus is going to be on Oprah I'd be <laughs> mad too which yeah, also and done an episode of guys. <laughs> not not enough episodes, but no. If someone else got on Oprah when you could have, I think <laughs> you would never get pat. Like that would tear yeah. us apart if oh, one yeah. of us got to go on That's Oprah. That's a justification for murder, right? Uh, <laughs> now he is gonna shoot somebody. <laughs> 
Uh, so then Marky Post comes well, back in. first, <laughs> everyone was in there, like, congratula- congratulating him on his first night as a judge. Yeah, again. back as a judge. And then as they all leave, Mac says to him, we're all going to go out to some bar or whatever. Do you want to come meet for a drink and mm-hmm. rip up some chickens? Yeah. <laughs> you don't rip what, up chickens, David? What does rip up some do. chickens mean? I'll show you, oh, David. Yeah. <laughs> come out to Portland, yeah. Brian. I'll take you Next out to rip up. Next time we sit down together, you'll see it. It's what Harry Anderson and Jonathan Brandis are doing in heaven right now. <laughs> that does sound like heaven to me. I get. I in all seriousness, David, I would assume it means that they're going to eat some chickens. I yeah. guess per- it's a odd way to vig- phrase it. Perhaps vigorously and with gusto, like, and maybe. Like, do they get a, like, like a full bird and just start like ripping the meat off of it? Yeah, and, like... yeah it's just like, oh, we're gonna fuck it up, you know. <laughs> like, you know. David, you never say. Don't you ever rip into some tofu? <laughs> I guess so. I yeah, I'm like I'm gonna go home and rip up some tofu. Do you never say that like before you're about to eat? Like I'm gonna <laughs> fuck this up. Like. <laughs> I it do. must be hey, a meat eater thing, I guess. I don't what, know. Man. You guys, did I tell you I went to Louisville recently? Yeah. Louisville, well, Kentucky. Well, I saw your and, chicken uh, and waffles, dude. Uh, I'm trying to tell you about that. Okay, <laughs> you know how like when you first get together with someone, you're all like thinking about them all the time and shit. You know, uh-huh. remember, remember that feeling, you guys? Um, no. Vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's how I feel about these chicken and waffles. It's like, I have, it's like I have a crush on them. I can't stop thinking. And I'm like, well, maybe I could just go back to Louisville to see the chicken and waffles. Like, Fuck, it was good. I know. Oh, I would eat it right now if I could. It was so good. Are you going to go in search of like good chicken and waffles in Portland? Or well, I'll tell you what, because I had the chicken and waffles twice. And I almost went a third time on on my way out, and I was like, you know what? It was too good. Like, I just can't. I just got to let it. And now I feel like, you know, it's like you meet someone special, and then you go try to go on. It's not the same. So I don't know if I'm going to have more chicken and waffles. I think it might have ruined chicken and waffles for me. It had a pickle, a slice of pickle. Oh, so good. I'm I'm just picturing Ryan, like, Instead of sitting down and saying grace, he just sits down and says, I'm going to fuck this shit up. Yeah. It, was, it was like that scene in from when Harry met Sally. <laughs> did, that, did someone look over and be like, I'll have what he yeah, yeah. He just came all over the chicken and waffles. <laughs> I guess I'll have that too. Uh, or so... I'll never eat again. So Marky Post comes back into his chambers to see how his first day back was. And this is where he uh, sexually harasses her a little bit. Yeah, Harry is and, super horned up here. Like, and this I kind guess of it's all took me by surprise. And I guess we're, suppo- it's, we're supposed to be okay with it because it seems like they had, like, I don't know if they had a full-on relationship or they had some sort of, like, mutual attraction that they couldn't act on because he was a judge and she was a law talking guy. Yeah. They had a will they won't they for yeah, a minute at tension. Yeah. And it seems like that was part of the end of the last season is that kind of came to a climax uh, oh, where, they, <laughs> where they decided they're going to see each other. And then there was this whole shakeup, you know? And yeah, so this is part of how it goes back to the status quo is like, Oh, they can't be right. together still. They're not a couple yet, which is actually smart in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, she he's like, we can knock boots now because we're both judges, and she's like, well, actually, I quit being a judge. The, the the whole scene comes off of like, if like a lady invites a man up to her apartment, we'll say, and uh-huh. we kind of know what that's all gonna mean, and there's the understanding, but then like the clo- guy gets super aggressive as soon as the door shuts, and it's just like, you know, slow your roll a little here, a little. <laughs> It was strange watching him be the horned up one. Yeah. I was waiting for Dan to do it, but it's like he's supposed to be the good guy. So yeah, it did yeah, it's come very harassy, but they did have a a whole building relationship to that, and she was yeah. into it. Yeah, it definitely came off like she was into it, but I still feel like Harry should have just settled down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think he like I think he literally panted at her. At one yeah. Day. yeah, he totally. <laughs> <laughs> it just it was not 
didn't seem yeah. right. Yeah, it didn't oh, seem charming to me, that's for sure. But I guess. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, women love it, you guys. <laughs> just, just, go up, just go up to him and be like... <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, and then be like, quit your job. <laughs> so we can have sex. <laughs> so, long story short, they're not going to be able to date. Status quo is restored. Mm-hmm. But Harry does thank her for saving his job. And then uh, we go to a little final scene, a little coda, where... Mac is dropping Harry off at home. And they also and... had uh, very noticeable sexual tension. <laughs> when Harry and Harry in the doorway, Mac. yeah, right as Mac is leaving, when they're standing in the doorway together, I was like, oh, oh, here comes, oh, oh, oh. I was nervous. Mac's right? married, though. Yeah, well, a lot of married men do gay shit, <laughs> especially in the 80s. Yeah, you're <laughs> especially right. Especially if somebody in New has York. a really cool yeah. pride hang glider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mac thought he was into it. He's on the DL, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that was, yeah, more... that, was a, that was a pretty blatant bat signal into the sky for, <laughs> for Mac that, uh, a, that Harry was DTF. A rainbow hang glider means I'll do it with you at night and I won't tell your wife. Yeah, sure. all right. Yeah. Story checks so, out. So Mac asks him like why he even wanted to hang glide onto the Statue of Liberty in the first place. <laughs> and like Harry gets like all serious. He's like, oh, it's it's personal, Mac. And Mac goes to walk away and he stops and Mac's like, you know, go home, go home. And he's like, okay. So then Harry goes inside and very sort of lovingly but sorrowfully pats a very large something. You're not quite clear what it was. And he's, you know, like someday, someday. And then the camera pulls out and it's an enormous pair <laughs> Of Groucho Marx glasses. So and so I guess the idea was he was gonna hang glide to the Statue of Liberty and then put the like it's the like the horn rim glasses with yeah, the nose yeah, and the mustache. Yeah. And I like that idea. I think it's a really kind of almost clever, but how is he gonna get it there? <laughs> yeah, he didn't we never like, saw it with him man. the no. apartment. It hangs like from his apartment to the Statue of Liberty. And then why was but he on the bridge? Yeah. Why did he have to hang glide? What did yeah. that have to do with it? And and could he take the giant glasses on the hang glider? <laughs> I don't think the physics. Well, well, what kind of energy repressed? How much gay, repressed energy, gay energy would that is take? there? <laughs> so okay, let's just. I want to just break down everything that's wrong with yeah. this. So, okay. okay, first of all. We have to assume that he spent. This is where I feel like all of his hard work that could have got him <laughs> on the Supreme Court went into him like paper macheing and like smelting the plastic, definitely yeah. to yes. make to make this giant face, this giant glasses. Absolutely. So he was gonna hang glide to the Statue of Liberty to put the glasses on, but did not have the glasses with him. Right. When he ran into Gus with his hang glider. But then also, why does one, what does the hang gliding accomplish? Well, you why have not to just get like, to the top of the Statue of Liberty right. somehow. Rent a fucking boat and carry it up there. What's that going to, I mean. You can't just like boat into the sta- into Liberty Island. You can't Island. just hang glide to it. But yeah, you, you can't. What are they going to do? They can't stop you there. I'm, but, I'm into the hang glider <laughs> as long as you can take the giant glasses on it. But they yeah. were so big. So big. I don't <laughs> how are you going to get them out of your apartment? That is true. And honestly, having recently, uh, within the last, what, three, four years, been to I can't New York? I can't wait to hear. Oh, been oh I thought you were going to yeah. say hang glide. No, yeah. and I, and I thought you were going really... to say paper mache to giant nose and glasses. <laughs> and I toured, like, you know, I went to the Statue of Liberty and went into the little museum and the pedestal and stuff. And I mm-hmm. honestly think those, no, the Groucho Mark glasses are too big. Whoa. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it's disappointingly small, which is, we've all heard it, wah wah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's another flaw on the planet. I think it'd just be one giant nose on the uh, Statue of Liberty. How, right, right. how much do you think that thing weighs, though? I'm going to say like 400 pounds. <laughs> one coat of paper mache, that's going to be pretty light. It comes down really? to the glasses. I but feel how like is he gonna even get if it? it was only like 10 pounds, the aerodynamics just wouldn't work with it. Yeah, you? I feel like it's less weight because like hang gliding, it's all like lift. And mm-hmm. I feel like that would just be an anchor in terms of like blocking wind. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I want to say, too, that I understand like I'm not an idiot and I'm aware that it was like a reveal. Well, OK, yeah. but I'm aware <laughs> that it was a reveal, like a visual gag to save it for the end. And I think it was pretty good, actually, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But it's like, could he have had like a big thing that was like, 
bundled up so you couldn't see what it is or something. It just really bothers me that he didn't ever have it with him yeah. on the bridge. Right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They could have made it inflatable, and then, like, he just, like, pushes down on a thing and it self-inflates. If it, if it was small and then something that he could make big when he was there. That yeah, that'd work. work. I think, yeah. yeah they, they could, there was a way. There was a way. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's why Night Court got canceled, is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like four yeah. seasons later or something. Yeah. Right. Well, it, yeah, was, the, uh... it, it took a long time. People gave it a lot of thought, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they kept trying to figure out a way at how this joke would work. And eventually, after four seasons, realized it just doesn't work out. Well, we got to cancel this shit. They were like, it's not like people are going to like sit around for an hour and discuss this. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of funny when I was looking up the when I was looking up the show. Like, I always think of Night Court as a very 80s sort of show. But it's like it, it ended in 92. Like It yeah. ran for nine, nine seasons. And yeah. it, I mean, that's it was a good, good chunk of time. I remember when Night Court ended. Like that's yeah. another thing I would say about the show is I definitely remember like when the last one came on. Yeah, I watched it and uh, Bull Shannon got beamed to Jupiter, yep. I believe. Oh yep. yeah, there's like an elf thing. Yeah, they're aliens, I think. Yeah. And they keep saying they're from Jupiter, and you think Jupiter, Florida, but they weren't from Jupiter, Florida. Florida's almost. Uh, so yeah, did we did we learn an important lesson about not committing suicide? <laughs> Yes, only quitters don't quit doing suicide. <laughs> that it? No. Well, I think I learned that when you're really feeling down and like maybe this life is too hard, uh, you can always steal someone's gay pride kite, <laughs> uh, and you'll uh, you'll ascend to greatness. To Oprah. Yeah, Oprah you'll get to go on Oprah. I also learned. I picked up a hot tip during this recording, which is that the belt is only as strong as the loops of your pants. <laughs> and we should mention that Dan Fielding's belt loops would be pretty worn down as much as he whips it out. It's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, David, did you <laughs> did you learn anything from this? Is there anything? The only thing I learned was that there's nothing sexier than panting at a lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you learned that so late in life. Yeah. <laughs> I know that could have really helped me out in my uh, college years. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I guess I learned Ryan's unique way of saying grace before he sits down to a meal. <laughs> I really do say that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I learned that hairstyles were perfected and. Stopped by 1992. <laughs> that was the peak. We reached we we reached peak hair, and it's all been downhill since then. And then John Larroquette kept his hair pretty well into his second or third yeah. spinoff. So mm-hmm. God bless that pelt. I learned what Carol's pugs sound like when they're snoring. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. Carol, you should get you should get them all their own like adorable little CPAP machine. <laughs> They don't tolerate any sort of breathing help. You just have to let them snooze towards death. That's how pugs like to be. <laughs> Hopefully some of it will come out with a noise removal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. Uh, Ryan, where can we find you fucking up food on the internet? <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, I have a website. It's ohyesverynice.com. O h y e s very nice. That's also my Twitter and my Instagram. Uh, neither of which I use very much. <laughs> so that's a little bonus incentive for you. Uh, that's all. I don't have any. I have a thing that's gonna be up pretty soon, but I don't have the URL for it. But it should be up in the next week or two. So probably on the next episode. Which is an illustrated thing. I just did a big illustrated interactive thing for the web about uh, the cost of pre-K. Ah. I've been working on it forever, and it's finally go. I actually got to finish it uh, right after this recording. So nice. Well, while you're asleep in your bed, I'll be doing that. <laughs> uh, David, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, panting at the ladies at Doctor <laughs> Bits. That's Doctor spelled out. And uh, you can find me at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. And Carolyn, how about you? 
You can find me cosplaying in the night on building ledges. Uh, Carolyn Main on Twitter, Carolyn Main on Facebook, and Tumblr. C A R O L Y N M A I N like the street. You can listen to my spinoff with my full head of hair and this lovely pelt <laughs> at Pitch Please on the River City Podcast Federation. It's on iTunes Podcasts and Stitcher, I think. And you can definitely buy the card game at pitchplease.fun for all the .fun you'll be having with the game. <laughs> uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter testing the strength of my belt loops <laughs> at, at Austin Gordon, and you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. Uh, we are a very special episode. Our website is a very special episode podcast.com. You can find us uh, wherever you get your your podcasts from. Um, if you get your podcasts from a place and we're not there, let us know and we'll get on there. Uh, and you can check out our Facebook page and follow the show on Twitter at AVSEPod or shoot us an email. That email address is AVSEPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just really concentrate. Just really think about what you want to say to us. <laughs> yeah, we'll hear it. We'll pick it up. We're we'll very intuitive. Beam it yeah. into David at midnight. That's usually mm-hmm. the easiest. Yeah, David will receive your messages. David yep. Yes. It's it's a waking nightmare I have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for a very special episode, I am Austin Gordon, and I am ruling this case closed. <laughs> She's the last one, so it's Marsha. No, it's like Marsha Warfield. Night Court. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode. The the best the best name when you do the Jurassic Park one is BD Wong. <laughs> BD Wong. BD Wong. With Jeff Goldblum. BD Wong. I can't sing.